Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Modern medicine knows so much more than we used to about different diseases, and it gives us opportunities to treat diseases in new ways. But this makes life a little more complicated for doctors who need to educate patients about what they have and exactly what needs to be done. And in a busy medical practice, it's probably hard to give patients written information about the specifics of what's causing the disease and what needs to be done. Or at least it used to be difficult. Modern computer technology allows doctors to pull up information for patients and communicate to patients everything the patient needs to know in a convenient way. But it doesn't always happen that way, at least not yet. I think we're entering a time of transformation in our healthcare system. One of the leaders in that transformation is our guest today. He's Dr. Mark Becker. Mark is president and founder of Vivacare, V-I-V-A-C-A-R-E. Vivacare helps physicians help their patients with tools that help doctors share with patients practical health information. Mark, thank you so much for bringing on the program today. Let's start by talking to our listeners a, a little philosophically about patient education and uh, what it is and some of the practical limitations with it. Uh, well, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be part of your program. I, uh, I've been spending quite a bit of time... Uh, Involved with various patient education efforts over the years. Yeah, you're a pediatrician by training. Do I remember uh, that right? Yes, um, practiced pediatrics for about seven years. There must be a lot of patient, well, family education involved with that. Yeah, I think my my interest probably grew from many uh, drawings on the exam room table paper. You oh, know, that's great. Drawings of an inner ear and what an ear infection is. Um, it was probably the beginning of of my efforts. Um. But since, uh, since you know, last seen patients have been uh, working on an effort to try to help educate patients and been thinking about what exactly patient education is, you know, I think of it as uh, information that helps a person take better care of him or herself. It helps them uh, make an informed decision about their health. I love that word, empower. Well, and now... Uh, you know, the onus is really more and more on the individual. I think uh, it's a double-edged sword to be empowered. We, we, we get the ability to uh, uh, you know, make decisions, but the onus is on us to also make sure it's the right decision. 
It's hard enough. I went to medical school, I, you know, and when I go into the doctor, I, I have a, I certainly have a tendency to feel like, listen, doc, I trust your judgment, and and just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Well, you know, when I just prior to my finishing medical school, we were spending about one trillion dollars a year on U.S. healthcare spending, and now I think it's approaching something like two point four trillion. Mm. I'm not sure we're getting a lot of bang for our buck from that extra $1.4 trillion in terms of significantly improved outcomes. And it's, you know, it's in this milieu that we um, are asking patients to take more and more responsibility. We lifted the ban on drug advertising. You know, we've all been inundated with drug ads on television and in magazines that uh, ask us to ask our doctor for drug X. And it, it they advertise because it works. Doctors will often write the script if a patient acts, asks for the drug. But um, that's led to some minor increase in drug spending. So meanwhile, the insurers are saying, well, let's charge you more. You know, there's increased copay for the branded drug. So now the individual's left thinking, well, geez, drug X sounds pretty good from the ad, but my insurer's going to charge me 50, 50 bucks more. What should I do? Is it, is it worth it? So we're really kind of asking them to decide whether they want, you know, drug A or drug B. Well, it seems like uh, they probably are in the best position to decide for themselves whether it's worth it to them. I guess other people think the decision should be somebody else's. Oh, I, I, I think it. Uh, I think it's tremendous that it, it's the, you know, terminology locus of control or. The decision is back on the individual. I don't think that, but I do think we fail at often providing that individual the practical information they need to make an informed decision. The um, I know there's something you know something like 75% of diabetics don't monitor their blood glucose properly. Um, now, that, not that education alone would lead to a behavioral change. But it, it definitely would have an impact. I personally know I was, I was recently uh, diagnosed with exercise-induced asthma. I'm supposed to take an inhaler now before, before I exercise. Well, it was only after I picked up the script, got home, that I realized the doctor actually never told me how to use that inhaler. I happened to know how, <laughs> but... He never explained some of the basic steps to properly use an inhaler, and that is one of the number one reasons that you know asthma medications fail because patients don't use them correctly. So here I was as a patient, and I'm not being told some of the most basic facts I need to take care of myself. I, I know there was a study done in a dermatology practice where somebody sat in the corner and watched and it was striking. I don't know if it was 90% of the time or something, the, the basic information about the drug, its risks, how to use it, had not been provided to the patient. Right. There's, I, you know, when I think of an ideal patient education program, it um, sounds like a bit of a mantra, but it's the right information to the right patient at the right time from the right source. And it's very hard to achieve but when it comes to the right information, it isn't often all the details, you know, about, you know, that you might study in medical school. 
sometimes in a certain circumstance, it's just to tell the patient, take this medication twice a day with meals. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the detailed information in the package insert isn't really what patients need, is it? No, and, that, and the, the most basic facts often get lost amidst that. And, and in terms of you know, timing, uh, you know, dermatologists will often write for antibiotics that can leave a, make a patient uh, sensitive to UV radiation, so they need to use you know, sun avoidance precautions and lather on the sunscreen. But you know, if they, they're about to go on vacation and they don't get that information up front, they're going to, you know, getting it after the major sunburn, it's too late. And that, patients aren't going to read those product inserts in the fine print to find out those things. So, you know, it's in the course of those doctor-patient interactions that some of the basics about what the patient needs to know needs to be transmitted. But, of course, that isn't often happening for lots of reasons. Yeah, I, I get the sense the pharmaceutical companies would like to give patients, you know, a list of the three or six, whatever it is, things they really need to know, but the FDA requires that the package insert contain everything, including stuff patients don't really need. Pharmacy handouts probably are similar. Doctors could do something, but uh, they may wonder about medical legal risks if they talk about the common side effects and leave out the, the rare things that almost never happen. So what's you know, the right answer? What, what can we do? Well, I think uh, one enormous challenge for the doctor is, is also time. You know, I was, uh, did a survey of about 200 physicians several years ago, and I, I doubt much has changed. Um, if anything, it's become worse. And that is, of the 200 doctors, 80% reported of doing a poor job of educating, or admitted to doing a poor job of educating their patients, of not providing sufficient materials during the office visit. And the number one reason they cited for that was lack of time. And, you know, doctors, nurses, everyone would make time if, you know, there was some reimbursement for it. But we don't, we don't value patient education sufficiently um, for the insurers to pay for it. And outside of a few circumstances, such as diabetes education, um, helping a diabetic learn how to you know, count calories and take their insulin, um, we really, you know, the insurers and the system doesn't, we've sort of made the patient put them in charge, but we haven't put in place all the mechanisms to help them you know, understand how to better manage their health because we don't pay. We don't pay for it. In the uh, pre-electronic era, there were handouts. Um, nurse, nurses, and other extenders who might spend some time with patients. Um, in, in theory, more doctor time. Um, uh, what other solutions are possible? Well, of course, the the internet has become this tremendous resource. Um, I think we often even take it for granted now. Though it wasn't hardly around 15 years ago, but it is um, tremendous source for health information. I forget this. This study something like 80 percent of 
adult Americans refer to the Internet for health information. So that's this um, tremendous asset, but it also is the Wild West in terms of what patients are hearing. Yeah, I wonder what it's like maybe telling somebody to go to the grocery store and bring food without giving them a list of, uh, of, of without a grocery list. End up with a lot of the wrong stuff. You know, one, uh, I'm working on a, a project, my firm Vivicare, which is a patient education company, trying to arm physicians with patient educational content that they can use on their own websites. Our goal is to help the doctor be able to tell their patients to learn more about your diagnosis and the treatment plan I just recommended, go to my own website. And at least the patient's getting the opinion of their own doctor reinforced online. Not that this is going to keep them from going to WebMD or Google for additional information, and they, they should go to those other places, but the, the person they trust most for their care, you know, that, the thoughts and the information they shared needs to be reinforced. I think studies have shown that, you know, without a paper handout, uh, most patients forget, you know, patients forget most of what they're told within minutes of walking out of the exam room. So even being able to refer back to the doctor's own site to learn about how to take that inhaler for the asthma diary, to learn like your, you know, your exercise-induced asthma might, might unfold like this is a tremendous help. Now, then they, now if they go to an you know, online uh, support group, they might be you know, better able to then search for the additional nuanced information. So they got the basics in place. Better than a handout, I imagine that uh, to educate somebody about proper use of the inhaler, you might want to show them a video. Doing this uh, as a web-based technology, that would be a very simple thing to do nowadays, I would think. Oh, it's true. Yeah, with the Internet, the, the use of multimedia, is just, it's wide open, whether it's you know, videos or interactive tools. Take the quiz <laughs> afterwards to you know, teach back um, some of the core points. Um, there's a lot of, there's adoption now of iPads in some practices to get that visual information across. You know, I think the, um, the advent of electronic medical record, it's been around, of course, for years, but there's big, a big push for implementation on a much larger scale. And I get a sense that the EMR could really serve as a foundation for a truly effective patient education program. You know that the EMR already holds the patient's diagnosis and age, and maybe they speak Spanish, or Spanish is their native language. Um, you can key off that data to then deliver um, personalized messages over time, not just in one lump sum at the end of a visit, um, but over time when it's relevant. Well, the, the lump sum at the visit would be a big step ahead of where I think we're at now. Um, when you put that diagnosis in the computer, when you put the medications in, um, let's save some trees, it could, the, the EMR system could email the patient the information or a link to the information. 
something that would be suitable for their smartphone. Um, and that would be just the beginning because as you see it, it would become, it, it could provide information over time, uh, encouragements to use treatments over time, collect side effect information, tell people what to do. Maybe more. Exactly. Yeah. I worked on a, a program a couple of years ago. We called it Information Prescription Messages. And the goal was to send a series of messages over time for, for, to a person based on their diagnosis and medications. And what, we did a pilot for patients with acne. And so if a patient had acne and was started on a topical acne medication that has causes irritation, the first few messages might have been basic information about acne and how to apply the medication. You know, two weeks out, it's saying, by the, as a reminder, this, you know, your doctor may have told you it causes skin irritation. Here are the tips you can take to uh, reduce the irritation. You know, week three might say, and don't forget, it may take four to six weeks to see improvement stay the course. At you know, week six could be the refill reminder because in most cases the medication may be done, done at that point and need to go to the pharmacy for refill. With perhaps even a rebate coupon to in increase adherence. The problem of a program like that is it has to key off real data. And we were sending these messages based on what the patient was telling us but if in the middle of the six weeks the doctor switched meds, then the messages were out of tune with what the patient's uh, true treatment was. So it so needs to, to connect to that EMR. So having the EMR in the background to then guide those messages was, was a missing piece. Now that the EMR is implemented in a lot more practices or becoming so, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in, say, 10 years we start to get more of these structured messages based on our last, last appointment. That, that is fascinating. You, any other thoughts about what the future is going to bring? Well, you know, as patients have become more responsible for their health care and this Internet has, you know, busted open access to all sorts of information that, that can, can be overwhelming, I think it's important that uh, patients, I, I loathe the term health consumers, <laughs> that patients or in, you know, individuals with health needs still continue to see their doctors as partners. You know, the approach is, it's not hierarchical anymore. It's not the doctor telling the patient what to do and expecting compliance, but there is a partnership there. And as much as the patient might be more and more in charge, um, they should be able to look to their doctor as a, a partner in making those informed decisions. And we physicians will be providing patients the, the information using these electronic tools that will bring down the cost, save us time, and better educate patients all at once, a win for everybody. That would be, that would be the hope. Mark, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? No, uh, not at the moment, but... Uh... Steve, it's been a pleasure talking. Likewise. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks, Steve. Electronic resources are terrific. We see this with electronic health records, the, the way they can improve communications and how well they can assure that patients are getting the proper follow-ups. 
electronic products can help solve the tremendous problem we have with making sure that patients are getting the information they need from doctors. A couple resources I think are very valuable. Vivacare, which is at V as in Victor, I, V as in Victor, A, C, A, R, E dot com, uh, and the National Library of Medicine site, NLM Plus, uh, where you can just Google the National Library of Medicine. I'll, I'll give you links to these resources on the Getting Better Healthcare program website. While there probably was never an excuse for patients not being educated about their condition, not being given clear instructions on what they're to do to take care of their condition. Now with these electronic resources, those kinds of problems uh, are even easier to address and make disappear. Uh, A few weeks from now, we're going to be joined by Dr. Mary Catherine Beach from Johns Hopkins, who will speak more about physician-patient communication issues. Next week, we'll be joined by Margaret O'Kane, President of the National Committee for Quality Assurance. And we'll be discussing the committee's State of Healthcare Quality Report that was recently released. I hope you've enjoyed today's program and will join us again next time. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our program is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very, very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.